Today, I'm delighted to be joined in our writer's residence by the wonderful Dolly Alderton. Dolly is the author of three best-selling books, Everything I Know About Love, which won the UK National Book Awards Autobiography of the Year in 2018, the novel Ghosts, which The Spectator called a masterpiece of modern manners, and Dear Dolly on Love, Life and Friendship, which collects Dolly's agony aunt columns from the Sunday Times Style magazine. It's with Dear Dolly in mind that we have decided to turn the table on our guest today by inviting her to answer questions from our cafe's Proust questionnaire. 30 questions that every visitor can consider over a cappuccino, meditate on with a matcha, or scrutinise over a cinnamon roll. So let's get down to it. Dolly Alderton, welcome to Shakespeare and Company. Thank you so much for having me. This is obviously the best bookshop in the world, so it's very exciting to be here. Oh, that's a very kind thing for you to say. And um, and I'm glad you say that because we have stacks of your books downstairs for you to sign. So oh, when, uh, when your wrist is sore later, <laughs> I hope you still think this is the best bookstore in the world. <laughs> um, before we plumb the depths of your soul, your unconscious with our Proust questionnaire, perhaps the most important question, it's... 3pm on Thursday the 25th of May. What are you drinking today? So today I'm drinking a flat white from the Shakespeare and Company Cafe, which is delicious and perfect. I've just had uh, an easy jet experience, which means I'm also anticipating my first pastis of the day, <laughs> whatever it turns out, I drink about five o'clock. Let's just be clear, it's an easy jet experience rather than an easy jet yeah, experience. No, okay. no, an easy jet experience, which is... is yeah, you know, every time I have one of those, I'm like, do you know what? I'm never setting foot on one of these planes again. And then, of course, you realise that that is the only way to get around to yeah. see Europe. It's so annoying. And so, for me, kind of a coffee three thirty, four o'clock is kind of borderline whether I'm going to sleep tonight. Is uh, oh yeah? Do you have a do you have a cutoff point for this caffeine? This is the equivalent of me doing an enormous bump of cocaine. Oh. This is the thirty four year old equivalent. I am dancing with death. Okay. <laughs> I am going to be up So all you'll be night. hitting the, yeah. the streets of Paris tonight. I will do, yeah. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Okay, so we are going to rattle through these uh, 30 questions, or as many of them as we can, before we have to whisk you downstairs to begin your signing. Um, so, question number one in our Proust questionnaire. What is your present state of mind? Okay, so my present state of mind in the day-to-day is glorious because... I sent my novel, my latest novel, oh, yes. off to the copy editor. Out in November? Right. Last Thursday, out in November. And sending your novel to the copy editor is almost the best mm-hmm. bit because it's like sending a, a, a well-loved dress that's been crumpled from parties to the dry cleaner. Yes. And it just comes back all clean yeah. and smooth and all the grammar's ironed out and uh, the timeline of it is made meticulous. Um, so I love that. And it's kind of no looking back once yeah, you send it yeah, to the yeah. copy editor. Um, so that was sent off last Thursday. And then I got on a flight to Florence. Mm-hmm. And I had a few days in Florence where I'd never been. And then I got a, fl- and then I got a train to Rome. And I've just come from Rome. Mm-hmm. Again, where I've never been. And okay. I just feel full of wonder and full of carbs. And just getting into like wonder a, and carbs wonder and carbs <laughs> and just the daily routine which I intend to do the next few days in Paris of like walking 20,000 steps a day mm-hmm. sitting and crying in front of things in churches mm-hmm. or things in galleries and then eating too much it's just like my body Sounds was like made for it yeah so after Florence and Rome are you more Florence more Rome do you think I mean Florence was very chic mm-hmm. And the art and the sculpture in Florence, the sculpture particularly, just blew me away. 
I liked how horny Rome was. <laughs> it's just a horny city. Everywhere was horny. I just, even like the road signs just felt like they were flirting with me. <laughs> there was just, was just, I like, and I was there with a friend who used to live in Rome and she said to me, just to, just to let you know, this is, you'll feel, it, it just like, it's just so stimulating on every yeah. level. And I liked that it felt like a, a really alive, vibrant place. There were lots of young people. I liked all the nuns. Mm-hmm. I liked all the gruesome... Were they part of the horniness, the nuns? Of course they were part of the horniness. <laughs> and also all those calendars with the, with the priests. Have of course. Oh, the hot priests. Yeah, yeah. The hot priests everywhere. Um, and then just lots of like, you know, like gruesome Catholicism mm. in the way that I love. Just like yeah, yeah, yeah. gold and blood and guts yeah. and naked cherubs it was just like a gorgeous the kind of vatican kitsch is incredible oh my god yeah Yeah. i mean i was in the sistine chapel yesterday and i don't and again i I cried the minute i got in there i don't think i have ever felt so blown away by a room Mm -hmm. i felt you know that's the stendhal syndrome yes yeah yeah. i felt like i was suffering from stendhal Mm -hmm. syndrome when i was in there i just needed to lie down it was just so so you came to paris for a bit of a break from that (laughs) exactly (laughs) paris the milton Keynes of europe it's just gonna be (laughs) mundane gray building after gray building uh question number two what is your favorite way to spend your time um talking Mm -hmm. and listening conversation um, with people you know, with friends? With friends. That is just my, my favourite. I was much more preoccupied with new people. Mm-hmm. I'm not that bothered about new people uh, anymore. Yeah. I think you get to a point where I don't want to, I don't want to send my energy out uh-huh. into the world. I want to send it sort of down into the depths a bit more. Yeah. I, want to, I, want to, I want more experiences with the people I know and love the most. Uh-huh. I want to know them better. I want to talk more. I want to go further into their brain. I want to, I, so I, I love that. That is just heaven for me now. And as you get older, that becomes, when people have kids as well, that becomes quite difficult. Course, yeah. Just intense conversation um, and, you know, hangout time. So that's kind of my favourite thing to do. I love walking. Mm-hmm. I love eating. I love cooking. And I love listening to music. And you can combine almost all of those exactly. at the same time. Yeah. Exactly. And where would you say talking to friends is that it? In the pub, at a wine bar, at home, on the phone? Not on the phone. As I'm millennial, so I, I have at any time someone rings me, I say it on my phone, I'm like, okay, who's dead? It's an aggression, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's an aggression or it's terrible news. <laughs> you hate me or someone's died. Question number three. If you were an animal, which one would you be? I would be my cat, Goldie Horn. Um... We were just talking about cats yes, before. Although you didn't reveal her on. surname in our previous conversation. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be, I've, I feel kind of, it depends how self-conscious I'm feeling about whether I go for the full name. Yeah, when yeah. I first took her into the vets, I did commit to Goldie Horn, which means I am now, for all of Goldie's life, oh. I'm committed to a lifetime of getting texts saying, it is time to give Goldie Horn her Milpro Wormer, <laughs> which never, ever stops being funny. Um, yeah, she's my first cat. Well, I had cats as a child, but she's my first like grown-up pet. Yeah, yeah. And she temperamentally is very similar to me. She's um, she loves. She's got a complex relationship to solitude. Mm-hmm. She likes being on her own, but she likes the ambience of company. Yeah, she yeah. hates being smothered uh, when it's she hasn't decided. And then yeah. in these very rare moments, she needs to be drowned in mm. love and then she needs you to do that right then and there which speaks to me very profoundly. It can be difficult getting the balance right with a cat I think like sort of 
speaking from experience, like sometimes you need their affection, sometimes they need your affection. Yes. And it's, it's just, when the two aren't quite in sync, it can be quite an intense experience. When they are totally. in sync, it can be the most wonderful thing. And I hate the claustrophobia mm. of too much affection. So I do feel that. I am actually really aware of that. It's interesting that you say that. I, I take it quite seriously, that balance mm. with her, because I don't. I never want her to feel suffocated yeah, by yeah. me. And but but it's hard because sometimes this little animal that's your friend is your comfort. Yeah, friend. yeah, yeah. So I'm always it's like a very delicate thing. And then at six o'clock in the morning, she comes and sits on your chest. Just to... I know, I know. Well, we've had to, we've had to, we've had to put her in another room. It's, I, I've, she has, she has her own sleeping quarters now because the six a.m. paws across the face. Yeah. It was so cute when she was a kitten, and then it just like almost overnight, quite suddenly became. Uh-huh unbearable (laughs) (laughs) okay question number four what book makes you want to live in a different era um i mean i'm just such a nostalgist i feel like every book from 20 years ago or older i want to live in um i think the last one i read where i was like oh that sounds fun was city of girls which is an elizabeth gilbert book okay about showgirls Right. In the 1940s. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Also, I have showgirls in my family. Uh, On my dad's side, they were all music okay. uh, hall performers. Yeah. So, I don't know whether... This is in, in, in the UK? Yeah, 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 in the UK. But the City of Girls was set in New York. But right. there was something about that that the, the, she really went into meticulous detail oh. with the history of it. And mm-hmm. she spent a long, long time in the New York Library, kind of, and reading a lot of books that yeah. women were reading at the time yeah, in the yeah. 40s to help understand, like, the cultural temperature of mm. day-to-day lives of women, um, not just, you know, in a social-political kind of uh, sense, but in terms of what makeup they were using, right. what they gossiped about, uh-huh. what was, you know, and I just found it so evocative. And I just love a bit of tartiness. Uh-huh. I just love glamour. <laughs> you know, I love I love that whole world, and it was it was um, really fun spent time with those characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Question number five: What's the craziest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, um, probably ostrich. I had a I have a friend called Victoria who did this insane challenge about ten years ago where she cooked she had a supper club where she every meal that she cooked was the letter of the alphabet so she did a night and then a b night and i went to three of her nights so i ended up eating some crazy before i gave up meat (laughs) so i ended up eating some crazy stuff and ostrich um if i could on the o night if i can remember was kind of delicious and it was everything on that night was an o or there was like the main ingredient was an o everything was an o Wow. So it'd be like ostrich osabuco or right. orzo with octopus. And yeah. it was wow. kind of made, well, you know, it's that thing of the the creativity found in limitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what other letters did you go to? And I went to What T- was X? X. I, know, I can't remember <laughs> what. I think I went to Z. I can't remember. Oh, what God, that not Zebra. Was. I think she did do Zebra. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, surely not. I went to T and I ate teal. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I went to W, okay. and there were lots of Welks and Winkles. Okay, all that, yeah. Okay. Which I find delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? I don't know, because weirdness is obviously, it's kind of, a, it's, it's culturally relative, isn't it? Like, well, that's what I was thinking about snails, but that's just yeah. kind of so normal. Um, I, ate, I ate fried grasshoppers in Mexico, which I think um, would be considered weird in 
uh, in Europe. They're, they're fry them, particularly, I think, if I remember rightly, it's in the city of Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. People fry them on the streets and sell them in little bags, kind of like popcorn or nuts. Are they cr- crunchy? Yeah, crunchy and spicy and really good. Um, Why am I craving a grasshopper now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and apparently really good um, source of protein, yeah. uh, good for the environment. Like it's one of the kind of animal sources of animal protein that you can eat well. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty unsqueamish. I'm quite keen to try lab-grown meat as well. I think uh, a lot really... of people find it quite an unpleasant thought, but I well, don't. So sign me up. Yeah, and it is, it is the future. Though. It's the I only so. way we're going to be able to carry on eating meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, question number six. What is your favourite journey? Mm. My favourite journey, I love train journeys. Okay. I do them. Actually, the train journey from uh, Florence to Rome was pretty breathtaking. Mm. It was through Tuscan countryside. Listened to a lot of very intense Spotify playlists. <laughs> had a lot of epiphanies looking out that window. Um, the one that I love the most is, I love South Devon. I spend a lot of time there mm-hmm. and I have done since I was a kid. There's a train. In fact, that whole that whole journey from Exeter down to Penzance, right. the train from yeah, Paddington yeah. to Penzance, there is a huge stretch of it in Dawlish that's literally on the coast so the train goes right alongside the beach and you just feel so far from London at that point how long is that Paddington to Penzance I mean Um, on a regular day obviously we're talking about the British rail system so it could be anything really a lottery it's crazily short because Mm. England is so tiny you know Mm. to think and this is what I find so crazy like to go from our capital city to the end of the island Mm -hmm. It's five hours, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a great... You can do an overnight one called okay. um, Rather as a false... This false advert of glamour. The, the Midnight Riviera. Oh, lovely. Where you get on at um, Paddington. And it's very basic. And then you wake up at 6am in Cornwall. Okay. But I love it. I just... Yeah, I have yeah. this great romance about trains. I just love train journeys. I love overnight trains. I don't think anyone has ever had a good night's sleep on a night train, but I don't care. Also, it's a day journey. It's a reading time as well. That's what yeah, I love. Exactly. I love. It's just sort of, it's one of those moments, even today, particularly with mobile phones everywhere, because you, trains, you still get kind of spotty networks, so it's difficult to, to check email or whatever. And you could sort of, it really is sort of sacred time with a with a book I feel. it totally is and the phone the phone thing I mean it's so boring at this mm. point to, to talk about it but the phone thing is a real tyranny in my life and it, it the, the minute the option is taken away from me the stillness that I find physically and in my mind is, yeah. is so markedly different even yesterday actually in the Sistine Chapel mm. they have a rule where it's the only place in the Vatican where you, mm. you can't have your phone out right, and they yeah. have people literally walking around yeah, when you're yeah, in yeah. that chapel so it was just a room full of people with their head like a gog in oh. wonder like you see in those religious frescoes of yeah, people's yeah, yeah. head in you know looking heads up looking taking in the majesty of something in this uh, looking at Michelangelo's ceiling and the I, the I think that's the reason why I cried I just felt different to anything else I'd seen in Italy because everyone had to be still and present yeah, yeah. It was yeah. quite amazing. That's, that's wonderful. What a, what a sacred place for, for two reasons. Yeah. <laughs> okay, number seven. Who is your hero in real life and who is your hero in fiction? Um, a hero in real life is... That was so boring. It's my mum. She's um, just the most empathetic mm. woman I know and she's um, very strong. She's had some really difficult things she's had to deal with in her life and she... She's just a real Pollyanna. Mm. 
every I don't know where, where it comes from it's just you know some yeah. people have that just pot of sunshine in them yeah. that she yeah, just yeah. it never seems to run out and she's just so she's never angry at the world or resentful mm-hmm. about anything she, she doesn't obsess over things she doesn't hang on to things um, and that, that's just I just find that heroic yeah, I just yeah. I'm so obsessy and mm-hmm. grudgy and I really mulch around in the past mm-hmm. and I really hold on to things yeah. <laughs> and I really and I just I, I really aspire to have her kind of perspective mm-hmm. and enthusiasm she just loves being alive I think there's nothing boring about saying your mum is your hero I sort of mm. I think mums almost by their very nature <laughs> yeah uh, are heroes it's um yeah, and in fiction? In fiction, probably Scarlett O'Hara. Mm. Or who else? Oh, I'll tell you who I read recently who's a great heroine. Elizabeth Zott in Lessons in Chemistry. Oh, okay, yeah. Which I'm sure you're selling lots of downstairs. Oh, you cannot believe how many copies of it yeah. we're selling. Yeah. Well, because of this heroine. Uh-huh. And I won't spoil it for you, but yeah. she, um, she's, uh, she's very galvanising to read. Okay. Question number eight. Which words or phrases do you most overuse? Um, I am... This sentence is a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm obsessed with hyperbole. Uh Um, (laughs) So it drives everyone mad who knows me. Obsessed, amazing, delicious, incredible, beautiful, gorgeous. I I just don't think I can have, like, a a tepid... You just sum up your attitude to life, you know? (laughs) I hope so. I can't seem to have a tepid feeling about Uh things. But that has to be that that has to be tempered in my writing. Yeah, 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 of course. Because I do, I feel like I, I sometimes feel like language is insufficient, mm. which I then make up for in a surplus of mm. adjectives <laughs> and adverbs. So I've got to keep an eye on my hyperbole on the page. Yeah. Kind of connected to that, I guess. Um, and an easy question, number nine: What is your idea of perfect happiness? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, perfect happiness is coastal walk long coastal walk Mm. cold but sunny um ending at a pub with no phone Mm. signal okay and drinking a million and one pints Uh and then eating fish and chips and stumbling home that's my like perfect happiness the Devon Cornwall coast, particularly. Yes, okay. Yeah, that south coast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I must. I must also say with with friends, not, uh-huh. not on my own. Although I can have a great time on my own. I was going to say that. the description. Doing something like that on my own sounds absolutely perfect. I grew up in Dorset, so for me, it's oh, the perfect lovely. coast. And yeah, I know exactly which pub I would go to as well. Uh, which um, pub? So anyone? No, no. I'm keeping but you're keeping it secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but that's a good idea. Incredible beer and incredible pasties and. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that is just my idea of heaven. Of everywhere I go in the world and every luxurious experience mm. I'm lucky enough, to, lucky enough to have, I still would be the most happy in a pair of walking boots yeah. with some scampi and chips. <laughs> Number 10. If you could spend the rest of your life with a character from a book, who would it be? Um, maybe Joe March. Oh, um, Little, Little Women, Women yeah. Um, because she is creative, she tells good stories, she's funny, she's plucky. I just think I wouldn't get bored of her company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And would you count Little Women as among your kind of pantheon of favourite books? Yeah, I'm like a basic millennial woman, of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) The only other thing I need to tell you is how much I fight with my friends about which one of us would be Joe. (laughs) Well, of course. I mean, that's that's part of the uh, the Little Women fandom, isn't it? (laughs) Um, 
what is your theme song, number 11? Oh, this is a good question. The way, the way we used to... Um, I used to be kind of obsessed with this question. We used to... Um, did you ever watch Big Brother? Oh, in the very, very early days. Maybe season one. Was that the one with Nasty Nick? Yes, yes exactly. Okay. It didn't ever get better than that. And then, when you would exit Big Brother, they would do your best bits. Oh, montage. okay. Yeah, yeah. And I would... All, we, me and my friends were always trying to work out what our what our montage mm. song would be for our big brother's best bits i think and i suppose it's kind of the same as a funeral song which is something that's always in review uh-huh. on my um in a notepad for me probably take a walk on the wild side oh yeah Lynn okay Reed. yeah yeah or some maudlin Joni mitchell song mm. um or i tell you what i've was my most listened to recently mm-hmm is Like Sugar by Chaka Khan. Oh, wow, yes. I just huh. think it's like a song that I could listen to every day yeah, for the rest yeah, of my yeah. life. So maybe that. Okay, that's a good one to go with. <laughs> what would yours be? Oh, God, I was fearing you were going to throw that one back at me. It's um, quite a difficult question. It is a really difficult one. Um, I mean, there's a. it's hard to choose from one, one of the many, many David Bowies. Um, I mean, I think... He's probably the artist I've listened to the most over the years, yeah. and therefore choosing a single song would be uh, would be difficult. I also the first thing that came into mind weirdly uh, was the the theme tune for Back to the Future. Um, <laughs> so you By said, the way, yeah. I love these are the most boy answers <laughs> you could give. Well, it's also I think Back to the Future is also one of the most kind of borderline sort of Gen X millennial answer like yes. you know that was yeah, yeah, yeah. that aesthetic shaped my early years and uh, <laughs> and I still see kind of remnants of it uh, of it now so theme yeah. tune of Back to the Future and something by David Bowie there you go <laughs> you can't choose your favourite Bowie I really can't um, I mean I saw him at Glastonbury in 2000 and oh I'm so pleased for you <laughs> yeah oh, if it you're was, a Bowie bro I'm so pleased that you got to see I mean, him it was just such a transcendent experience and I his performance of Life on Mars was just out of this world and he'd had laryngitis the previous week so there was all this talk swirling about that he might not make it Mm -hmm. and he referenced that uh, and he said you know so I had laryngitis this week so if you uh, if you know the words for God's sake join in Um, and it's uh, no it's so so wonderful and actually you can listen to that entire set on Spotify now and it is, yeah, it's nice. I'm getting tingles now just talking about it. That's, so, so that's what I'm going to be listening to <clears throat> on my Eurosol home. Likewise, actually, another one I think of is the um, It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine, um, REM, uh, which again was Glastonbury this time, 99. Just finished my A-levels, philosophy A-level that morning, drive down to Glastonbury, REM on the pyramid stage. I'm so jealous of this memory. <laughs> Finish your A levels and go straight to Glastonbury. Oh yes, yeah. so, so not cool enough to do that. Well, also at the time you could actually get into Glastonbury, which yeah. uh, is another another topic. Moving on, um, <laughs> who are your three favourite writers? Question number twelve. Um, probably Martin Amos. Bless him. We've recorded him a few days after. Do you know away. how I found out? I think he would like love this. He, I was um, in Florence with my mum in the interval of Carmen. <laughs> it was so operatic. It was so dramatic. I came out, saw my phone, burst into tears, uh-huh. and then just spent the second half crying more than is appropriate for yeah, the, for yeah, the yeah. plot of Carmen. Um, but yeah, I just, 
and it felt really weird as well to be, this will sound pretentious, but I'm probably in the right company as a book lover. It felt really weird to be away from all my books. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, no, like, yeah, absolutely. I wanted to just go to my shelf. Dip into them. And yeah, and just go find... Find where they flop open exactly. and read those sentences. Yeah. It's felt strange to be away yeah. when one of my favourite writers died. And I yeah. really didn't see it coming. No, it's weird, isn't it? Like, he wasn't that young, so... And, you know, he hadn't lived, perhaps, the healthiest life. So it shouldn't have been a surprise. And yet, yeah. it was uh, jocked, I think. It was... Um, yeah. And do you know do you know why I think I I was so surprised and so upset? I've got to be careful not to cry here. Because I'm still feeling a bit sh- weird about it all. He was so preoccupied with death. Yes. And that's something that I really identify with. And I think a lot of writers identify with. And that's something that is sort of propelled me forward into writing from a really young age, I think. Mm. And I think the reason I was so... And Inside Story, his last book, which everyone mm. hated, but I loved. <laughs> um, it was a lot, a lot about death and a lot about losing Hitchens, Chris Hitchens, yeah. his best friend. And I think what I felt in the moment he died was it doesn't matter how much you analyse death uh-huh. and it doesn't matter how much you project yeah. forward and think about it and talk about it. You know, you read Money and that narrator is 35 and he's talking about middle age and talking about death and how he can feel his body decay and you know it was something that preoccupied him Mm -hmm. he said it didn't like it did his father but you can feel in his writing how much it preoccupied him and it doesn't matter in the end it still gets you yeah 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 i think it's um also with him i think for writers when he was you know at his best and books like money and books like london fields and some of the essays in the war against cliche you would read his sentences and you'd be like, okay, I've got to raise my game. Like, oh, yeah. he is one of those, like, he's sort of, yeah. he's, every sentence was, it popped. It was just, it was just alive. It's, we just recently released on the podcast, actually, where he was here in, for our festival in 2010, uh, in conversation with Will Self. Um, oh, and it wow. was, it oh, God, was, I can't even imagine what that conversation must have been extraordinary. like. Was it's it? so funny. And a real, I mean, you could feel that with Will, like a real affection between the two of them and um, and a lot of I mean mutual respect but um, I think in in the way you could hear from the way that Will Self was talking to him like you could feel his his respect his awe it's kind of almost as a mentor it was um, yeah it's a really a really great conversation I don't yeah, I well it's on our podcast that. feed so anybody listening can can check it out um I realised we had one favourite writer, but we've yes. also got 10 minutes left right. until the signing okay. starts. Let's so let's rattle going. through a few more of these. Um, where in the world would you most like to live? 13. Paris. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's always be. I've always, always felt like a year in Paris is waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's my favourite city in the world. I'd love to be here. I mean, it's, it's more complicated now with the cat. Yes. Why did I get a cat before I moved to Paris? And also, now that I know how neurotic cats are, I ca- I'm not taking Goldie Horn on the Euro. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I still feel like, I don't know, you know when you have things with places that feel like people, like, oh, there's, there's yeah. some unfinished business with you and I. Also, you don't want to take Goldie Horn on a ferry because then if she falls off the edge, she'll fall off, she'll get washed up, she'll lose her memory, uh, be found by another cat or sort of a street cat taken in. It'll, um, I mean... Why do I immediately want to make the cat version of that film now? What's it called? Overboard? Overboard. Yeah, and yeah. it's 
fucking great. <laughs> Question 14, on what occasion do you lie? Um, oh, when I'm, uh, to be polite, to save people's feelings. I'm the person who would never send anything back at a restaurant. It drives uh, people mad. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, it's, I've got to change it. I'm very cowardly. Mm. I, I kind of can't bear the thought of people being upset or not liking uh, me. Not liking me is the crucial okay. bit. Being upset is a lie that yeah. people say, but that yeah. people pleases. You just don't want anyone to not like you. So yeah. we're working on it in therapy. Yeah. Don't, okay. don't worry. Glad it's, to hear it. We'll <laughs> it's going to be okay. We'll check in in a year's time. See and I'll ya. be a right dickhead. <laughs> if you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, um, do you know, I would have said pasta, but I've eaten pasta at every meal since last <laughs> Thursday. And I think for the first time in my life, I'm ready to not eat spaghetti. Probably dim sum. I could oh. eat, I could eat like dumplings and spicy dipping sauce yeah. for eternity. It's crazy as well. Like in one sitting, I, I don't think I've ever been full of dim sum. Yeah. I've kind of stopped for financial or kind of decency reasons. <laughs> But like, I, I don't think I've ever so felt true. full of them. It's, yeah. it's strange. Yeah, that's why I can eat it forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Which poem makes your spine tingle? So many poems make my spine tingle. I find it so interesting that it is... Um, it's like the most... Uh, not derided. I feel like it's the thing that feels like the most useless mm-hmm. art form. Uh-huh. Like, in terms of that's the thing that people sort of mock or yeah I, it, do, it doesn't feel like it has utility uh, and then I just have found in the moments in life when I am overwhelmed with something mm-hmm. when I'm falling in love for the first time mm-hmm. or when I'm at the I've lost someone I'm at the funeral of someone I love yeah. it's like our first recourse it's yes. like our first place we go mm-hmm. more than music I find almost more than yeah. uh literature it's just it's so I'm very very moved by poetry and uh probably the poems that have that physical spine tingle effect on me are the love poems of Pablo Neruda oh yeah wonderful they're just so sexy and they're so um strange and beautiful and unique and I remember I remember reading it there was a there, there was a lovely collection of just his love poems and I was falling in love it was a few years ago and I remember send, reading these poems and mm-hmm. feeling like they were chronicling every part of yeah, yeah. him and I. It felt so like he had written it for, for mm-hmm. me and him. And I, I remember sending it with some very pathetic little annotations <laughs> to the man. Um, and then after that finished, I remember feeling like I can't, that relationship can't swallow up Pablo Neruda. Mm-hmm. I've got to like reclaim yes, Pablo yeah, Neruda. Yeah. So I've like, I've, I've, I've managed to divorce mm-hmm. that time from my love of those poems and I still read them all the time. Every day you play is just yeah, yeah. perfection to me. I just love them. Um, okay, what is your favourite smell? Um, roses and uh, wood fire and um, tomato vines and since I've been in Rome, jasmine. Oh, Rome okay. is covered in jasmine. Yeah. And that's, there's something about Jasmine, again, this is probably why it feels like such a lascivious city. There's something about Jasmine that, like, the honeyed smell of it, that smells bodily, mm. that smells, like, heady and sexy, and I feel sort of dizzy from the Jasmine. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, like, I'm looking for a Jasmine perfume now. <laughs> I'm, like, big into Jasmine since Rome. Question 18. If you could ask the leader of your country to read one book, what would it be? Um... 
any book about the NHS. Uh-huh. Um, this is going to hurt by Adam Kay, The Language of Kindness by Christy Watson. Um, it's a boring answer, but the most urgent thing to address, in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Question 19, what's your favourite hiding place? <laughs> this is, you can veto this question if you want. No, <laughs> no, it's a good question. But maybe you don't want to reveal it. That's what... My favourite hiding place is probably in, in my novels. Oh, okay. I think that's, uh, it's where I do, it's where I process everything mm. in life, but none of it's real. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of it's imagined. So it feels like a safe place to be, much safer than any other writing form, much safer than conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, in, and, you, and you know what things are about, but other people might not as well. <laughs> yeah, no, they never do. They yeah. never do. So it's yeah. kind of a hiding place in two, two respects. Yeah. Question 20, what do you consider your greatest achievement? Um, my relationship to my writing, all so many relationships in my life have been so complicated and dysfunctional, and it has always been simple and devoted and healthy and pure and uh, formative. The other day I was going through, I keep everything, I keep every like cinema stuff, ticket and have these huge boxes, memory boxes, and I was sorting them out for the first time in years the other day. I found a letter from my best friend Farley sent from like a Spanish ho- you know, family hotel resort when we were like 14 that she sent to me and it said... It was, it was such a time capsule. It begins with, I've just opened my CD case and I've found Robbie Williams' Escapology. <laughs> I think it might be yours. Um, and then she says, and it really uh, moved me and it made me feel, it was a very satisfying moment. She said, I hope your book is going well. Mm. The proposal you sent me was amazing. Wow. And I did just have this moment of like, fucking hell, 14, that's 20 years I've been at this. Yeah. And yeah. it's... Uh, it's, it's, it's like, I'm just really proud of my, not even the work I've made, my relationship to the thing, this thing I have always loved, this thing that's the way that I translate life. Yeah, yeah. I just, that's what I feel proud and of. And sticking stuff. at it as well. Like, yeah. I've seen so many talented writers or people who, you know, were becoming talented writers stop for various reasons, you know, the pressures of life, you know, financial, financial pressures or relational pressures yeah, yeah. yeah, cultural pressures and... It's, yeah, it ain't easy to stick at it. Okay, we've got literally two minutes. So what we're going to do, we're going to go through the last 10. I want one One, word or one phrase answers. So, which book do you have on your nightstand but no, you'll never read? I can't believe I'm saying this. In Search of Lost Time by Marcel Proust. Ah, that should be (laughs) books really, shouldn't it? 22, if you could have any superpower, what would you choose? Uh, To stop time. I've never wanted to stop time more than I do right now in my life. I just want to enjoy everything and everything to elongate. Wonderful. 23. What was your favourite book as a child? Millie Molly Mandy. Lived in a thatched cottage. Ate cheesy baked potato skins. I don't know this. <laughs> That's just all I remember. Okay. It's my passion then. It's my passion now. <laughs> Question 24. Do you have a recurring dream? If so, what is it? Uh, yeah, I've murdered a man. <laughs> and I'm on the run. If, this, if I find out later this is a confession buried in a podcast, uh, then we will have words. 25, what to you is the most beautiful word or words? Um, oh, I'm thinking of that Dorothy Parker quote, checking closed. Um, it would be my editor saying, editor or someone I work with, producer, commissioner, Read it and loved it. Call me. That's my favourite. Those are my favourite words in the world. 26. What's the worst book you've ever read? Oh my God, I can't answer this. 
I cannot answer this. This could be your one pass out of 30. You've done no, really I'm well past. not to I pass. I can't. Something. Having written okay. books, I can't. Okay, after I press stop, you're telling me that. <laughs> uh, question 27. Who would play you in the movie of your life? Well, I did an adaptation of my memoir that course, was semi-fictional. Yeah. So we've huh. already been answered. Emma Appleton. It was great. I highly recommend that everyone cast like a mm. much more charming, sexier, funny version of themselves to portray a semi-fictionalised version of their life. It's very satisfying. I can imagine. Uh, <laughs> question 28. What is your motto? Um, be here. I find it very difficult to be present. Mm. Um, I kind of live in three time zones, which is the past obsessing in the future, panicking, and then the third one I love, which is fantasy and imagining. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I escape into all three very easily. So I'm always doing everything I can just to bring me right into the present moment. Question 29, what's the most romantic experience you've ever had? Paris in 2010, first time I ever came here. It snowed on the Eurostar mm. over, and then it snowed all weekend. And Pearl Lachey was still, you could still go up and kiss Oscar yeah. Wilde's grave. And like I ate oysters for the first time and just like walked a thousand miles and I just fell in love with the city and I was madly in love for the first time. So yeah. This was just before Christmas, was it? Just or? before Christmas. Do I you remember? I remember the snowing and I remember yeah. the Eurostars and I remember not being able to get back to the UK. Uh, yeah. In, well, I got back eventually, but it wasn't. It was really easy. heavy. Because they were they were coming out of the tunnel and just breaking down. At That's the what happened as well. to us. And we, yeah, just, yeah. we just drank a <laughs> bottle of brandy. It was great. And finally, question 30. How would you like to die? And <laughs> Sorry about that. That's the final question. How would you like to die? And in what form would you choose to come back? I think about this all the time. I think um, I... The other day I was in the Wolseley in London mm-hmm. and I was sitting next to this woman who was... She looked like she's in her late 80s and she was with this meticulously dressed beautiful young man and he it was her birthday and she said we got talking to her and she said this is my grandson and it's my 88th birthday so he's come here and bought me a slice of Battenberg cake and me and my friend Indy were like do you think at that moment in your life you finally go oh I fucking did it yeah yeah. (laughs) there's nothing more to do my beautiful grandson is taking me out for Battenberg for my 88th birthday so I think I would love to be at like I don't know, some beautiful grandchild, like some wedding or birthday, die on the dance floor dancing to Chaka Khan. And then I would like completely to... Completely mess up that grandchild's life. <laughs> mess them up, give them something to talk about in therapy, other than their gran who wrote a shagging memoir when she was 28. And, uh, and then I would like to return... I, do you know, I actually, I don't think... I don't think I will return. Mm-hmm. I think this is my last go. Or it could be in a Nietzschean term. You could do the same life again and again and oh, again. Oh, yeah. It's been a great for life. eternity. Yeah, maybe I would do that. You'd do it again? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, do it again. Well, that's a great note to finish on, Dolly Alderson. Thank you so much for answering our Thank first question. Thank you so much. That was so fun. Thank you for listening to the Shakespeare and Company podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, it would be great if you could help us spread the word by reviewing or rating us in your favourite app or just by sending the link to your friends. Production of this podcast is all done in-house here at Shakespeare and Company Paris. All music is by Alex Fryman, whose album, Play It Gentle, is available to buy or stream wherever you listen. We'll be back soon. Until then, take care and thanks again for listening.